0: Morena No Maikiti Corero, welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo oh Ira Rangi Ona Tangata o Manawatu. It is a Friday morning. It's the seventeenth of September, uh, and on the catch up this morning, very soon we will have Tangi Utikere, uh, member of Parliament for Palmerston North. Uh, but first, a quick look at the uh, numbers uh, for the COVID nineteen pandemic because they are uh, they're getting up there in terms of the vaccinations. But first. off we have 18 new cases uh, announced yesterday Uh, that brings the active cases to 29 at the managed isolation border and 536 in the community which is a big number um, but not as big as it has been that number is coming down Uh, 34.7% of our population or eligible population are fully vaccinated uh, and 67.7% have had one or more dose so we're getting up there in terms of the, the threshold we need for the vaccination, herd immunity, all that sort of thing. Uh, there's almost 140 uh, locations of interest uh, on the website and of concern, of course, uh, with recent events not limited to Auckland anymore. I think there's some in Tauranga as well. Um, but, uh, well, a good place to start. Uh, and, of course, te wiki o Māori means we say, Ata tangi uta mama o parimata o papai Morena Fraser, ngā mihi nui ki a koe i te wiki o te
1: Māori. Good morning and good morning to the listeners. Uh, yeah, te wiki o te reo, reo Māori, a uh, great opportunity for us all to be using the reel. Um, and it's a really beautiful language mm-hmm. uh, and so it's really good to be seeing people doing so. I uh,
0: was interviewing Hayden Potaka from uh, the Central Economic well, representing the Central Economic Development Agency for the new Maori economic uh, report that has been released for Manawatu and Whanganui um, and he was uh, very proud of the fact, as he should be, that there was a te reo version as well and I expressed a concern that this beautiful poetic language of te reo Maori, how well does that fit in the bureaucratic landscape of trying to, or oh, you know, these technical economic uh, matters and, and things? I suppose that must be something that affects Parliament a bit as well.
1: It does actually, and it, it's it's quite timely because um, this week uh, the Environment Select Committee finished, I think, fourteen or fifteen full days worth of hearings on the Natural and Built Environments Act. Um, and one of the, the submission points from some submitters is the language and terminology in the proposed um, exposure draft and particularly when you're talking about concepts that might be uh, well understood in, in Māori DIM or in a Māori context and, and trying to transliterate that appropriately. So, yeah, it's uh, a good reminder to us all, really, that um, while we might be using these terms on a daily basis or trying to, mm-hmm. that often the... The the direct definition can be quite different in some contexts. And so.
0: The the literal translations are are a particular, not hurdle, but a a thing to be wary of. And I'm quite guilty of it as well, going, what is the literal translation of this concept? And that's not how you do that. No, (laughs) no, it's
1: not. And, uh, you know, what's been really interesting is through the submission process, we've had, um, you know, gentle reminders. Uh, around that, um, and they are often actually not able to be transliterated and accurate ru- mm-hmm. in, in, in an accurate way. It's more around the the wairua, the spirit, the feeling of particular things, places, um, and the like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but nonetheless, uh, the team and I ordered our coffee earlier in the week in Te Reo Māori, and uh, had a fun opportunity to do so at
0: the same time. I think it was about uh, two two. Uh, Maori language weeks, uh, years ago, that I learnt how to say, pass me the wine, uh, which it, it, it still gets used today in I was my house say, on That'd occasion. be quite a frequent phrase. Yeah. No, not, not that frequent. <laughs> Homai te waina. Homai te waina. Um, now, um, to serious matters. Uh, we do have to start with, uh, COVID and pandemic related things. Mm. Uh, the country is getting. Weary. Um, That is understandable. It's it's potentially justifiable, but some of the actions that we're starting to see around uh, border control, MIQ, the the holes are appearing. People are uh, escaping. They're misusing their exemption passes. This has meant, as I said at the beginning, locations of interest outside of Auckland now, Um, and none of this is going to do us any favors in descending through the alert levels. Um, but the, the cracks are starting to appear in this strategy. And to me, at the moment, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, whilst it would be unpopular, the Prime Minister would be, um, and, and the, the caucus of, of the government would be, um, justified in keeping us all in the alert levels we're in right now because people aren't obeying the rules properly. But that's gonna be a cycle that's just gonna descend into, what, what's the plan? Yeah, well it is disappointing that there are some of these um, breaches
1: that that are appearing and and we all know about, you know, some high profile ones uh, within the last week or so. Um, but the, the plan is still around elimination, you know, and, and the prime minister and and others have been quite clear around that. But I think we need to be looking at that alongside not wanting to be in these alert levels or at higher levels within the alert level system for longer than we absolutely need to. And so the focus is on sure up the vaccination, and we have another delivery, you know, from um, from Denmark around that to add to what we'd received from from Spain. But it is about people taking responsibility for their for their own actions. Um, I get that there is some frustration out there, uh, you know, that the the high profile example of uh, a couple of individuals who travelled to the South Island. Um, you know, I, I have an exemption uh, to travel. I, I don't i 've never used it mm-hmm. um, MPs are classified, and their staff actually are classified as uh, those that can cross the their boundaries, but I think that they 're there for essential purposes, and you know you 've got to use them wisely and and accurately, and if you don 't, then we end up in situations that none of us want to be in
0: it 's a very glib thing to say, but it 's true nonetheless. You have to aim at the lowest common denominator of the moron that doesn 't understand why we 're doing this. Uh, and make sure that that person understands the situation. And evidently, we're not doing that, which means people are e- escaping or misusing uh, the privileges that they might have. Um, the The rest of the country is getting tired of this. The South Island are chomping at the bit. I don't think government. I don't think the beehive is very popular in the South Island at the moment. But I mean, this can't go on, can it?
1: Well, I I think it is. It is clear that when you are setting these alert levels, that the enforcement uh, that supports all of that needs to be uh, targeted at times. Um, There are individuals who don't take these responsibilities seriously, and as a consequence, we all pay. Um,
0: But but, but it's not appropriate for the government to justify its actions by going, well, we told you, and a few people broke the rules, and now you're all going to suffer – that, that's not the appropriate response from government. The appropriate response is, and here's what we're going to do about it.
1: Yeah, I, I, th- I think, though, it's still fair to say that that we have a plan that we appear to be on track. Yes, there are a few instances of individuals who are not taking the responsibility and you will see that a lot of the focus is on whether it's in your whānau, whether it's in your community, about reminding people to do the right thing. Yesterday I was meeting with some retailers down on Broadway Avenue and it was good to see that they were taking their responsibilities about, you know, hey mate, have you you signed on? By the way, where's your mask? Mm -hmm. So it is often actually about those who are around all of our individuals because we are all in this together Uh, taking some responsibility and reminding others. But sure, there will be occasions where people don't take their responsibility and they break the rules, they break the law. Mm. Um, There is an enforcement regime, those are are dealt with by the police who are working extremely hard. Uh, We all know that. And particularly up in Auckland, they're working extremely hard. And I understand that we've, you know, sent some folk up there as well. So this fundamentally comes down to responsibility, but at the same time, it's alongside other enforcement actions and an alert level system to make sure that we can all do what is what is expected of us.
0: You're from an education background, and at the moment, there is a discussion around uh, schools seem to be their own particular environment that doesn't seem to. Align with what we're expected to do in other places. Uh, supermarkets, they're, they're still getting you to queue up outside. You have to wear a mask. You have to sanitise. Uh, I quite like that as an aside. I think the supermarket <laughs> is a wonderfully calm place. And they the do moment. it very well. Yes. Um, schools, on the other hand, doesn't seem to be any real physical distancing, no masks, no additional concerns. Once you go through those gates, it's as if we were in alert level one. That's not sending a great message to our kids, is it?
1: I think what we see is in different work environments that it, it, there are still expectations, but they are quite different from being out in the community. So, in my own workplace, for example, it, it's different when we're working alongside each other as opposed to fronting uh, community members that that come into the office. So, what does that mean? Do so, you- for us, it means that uh, for those in in the office, we can wear masks, but we are well spaced, so we're able to socially distance. Mm-hmm. However, all of our front-facing engagement, we expect um, you know those that are coming to see us, constituents, to wear masks. The office that we have set aside a particular mm-hmm. room where we meet with people that it is socially distanced. Um, you know, there, there's no handshaking. Not that we do that in the office anyway. No. Um, so, it, but, but we see that very different to when we are out at the supermarket, for example, where there are um, you know. I guess, more rigidity around that, but more expectations as well. The, the school environment is an interesting one because, you know, they're functioning based on the public health advice that the Director-General and the Ministry of Health have given them. No, uh, they're
0: not, because Dr Bloomfield said you should, we strongly encourage children should be wearing masks. And at the moment, the kids aren't
1: wearing masks. Yes, but but there's a difference between encouragement and what is mandated. Yeah, but
0: that's the government's decision. Ashley Bluefield said, I think the kids should be wearing uh, masks in schools. The government has not mandated that. No. Maybe they should do. That that obviously is an option. Because you've got hundreds of bubbles coming together... And with the Delta variant, it used to be, you know, oh, kids kids will cope okay with, with COVID. This is where old people and disabled people were protecting them. Delta, Delta is showing something different. It's showing completely different. Kids need to be protected as much as adults. And the schools, I, I, I would say, are, are the one place where hundreds of bubbles come together every day for the full day. Nowhere you, else
1: does no, that happen. You, you're right in the sense that they are uh, a premise where – people do come and large numbers come together. Um, that, th- no doubt that the, the principals of schools are considering these um options, I guess, and making decisions. Uh, as a former chair of a board, I know that operationally there are decisions that the principals and the senior management team need but the to schools,
0: make. The schools can't tell the students to wear masks. They can try and encourage them, but it was on RNZ this morning as well. The the, the peer pressure uh, trumps the the teacher kindly asking you to wear a mask every time. At the moment, kids are not wearing masks in school. Some started and then no, it's just, it, it's across the country, they're just not doing. It. It at the moment.
1: And I think what that indicates is obviously there's, there's some thinking to happen in that space over the, over the short term. Mm. Um, just looking at my day today, I was scheduled to visit Whakorongo School. I've postponed that particular mm-hmm. visit. Um, however, I am meeting with the principal of Girls High later because of the nature of the visit is quite different. So mm-hmm. I get that school environments are slightly different uh, certainly from community environments and and household environments Um, but it's something that the schools obviously need to consider and I'm sure that the government will be turning its mind to uh, as well, You know, this, this public health advice that the Director General others do give the government um, is regular, and it is well thought through, and it's the basis upon which government makes its decisions. So I'm not indicating that there is going to be a change, or well, there isn't, but it's obviously advice that still needs to be taken.
0: I mean, the, the argument that most people are saying at the moment for, with regards to not following the rules to, to the letter or, or, or trying to fuzz them is, it's level two, there's no cases here, why, why, why are we even bothering?
1: Yeah, look, that that's a particular view or attitude that is actually not helpful. You know, like there is a huge focus in Auckland on making sure that people get tested because we know that there are still unlinked cases out there. And the more people that get tested, the more certainty there is around that. But we need to all still be functioning as if everyone has covid you know, that's always been the, the premise, the mm. focus. Mm. Um, and so people that think, oh, well, we don't actually have any here because our wastewater is and clear, um, it's actually good practice because what we're hearing is that these are different environments. It's a different time now. You know, mm. and we talked about this last week, where people who think that we're just going to return to normal, well, we have to actually uh, prepare and accept that there is a new normal globally. Mm um you know what what was this time 2 years ago is not going to be the normal now or I, for the future
0: i i find myself in a distressing place of of having to semi quote or paraphrase donald trump because he oh. did say one thing he didn't mean it to be sensible but uh, the the number of cases in America was higher because their testing rates were higher, and there's an element of truth to that. The more you test, the more you find. And to say that there is no COVID anywhere else in the country, it just might be that someone who actually dealt with it okay and it just felt like a really bad cold to them had it, but they never got tested. Therefore, we don't know about it.
1: That, that's right, and it may be that you know the 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 chain uh, tra- transmission do, do obviously links them somewhere for that. But I think it's really important that there is no shame in in being tested. Mm -hmm. You know, anyone that feels slightly unwell, whether you're up north or down south or anywhere, go and get a test because, you know, the the more information that we have around that, then the more certainty that we can have to move through those alert levels, move down through the alert levels. um, And that's always been, you know it's a consistent message from me is to get a test if you're not feeling well um, to make sure that you're scanning in mm-hmm. uh, and also to get vaccinated
0: We are here with Tange Ute Memo Mema O Parimata O for the Catch Up remember if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up we're also on Apple Podcasts Spotify wherever you get your online listening um, sticking with uh, the, the pandemic pandemic uh, miq is rearing its head again we've we've sort of discussed that a little bit but i see a, a levin man uh spent over three thousand dollars on miq for uh, a pretty grotty experience uh, ants and crawling around dust everywhere he took photos of it and sent it to miq they've since apologized um but he, he's got concerns and again i, I mean I hark back to the same point. When are we going to stop relying on hotels and motels that were never built for this purpose, if we have a new normal? Because tied to that, and a a topic we can get onto maybe, is what is the plan? When we're all vaccinated, are we just going to throw open the doors uh, for the borders? There's still going to be some sort of MIQ, I would have thought.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the individual from live and that's obviously disappointing because, you know, there are expectations around minimum standards and obviously health, hygiene, cleaning are really important parts of, um, I don't want to say an MIQ experience, but mm. someone who is in uh, an MIQ facility. Yes, you're right. We've talked about this um, as recently as, as last week. I know. Um, and, you know, and and, and calls for um, Ohaki or the Manawatu to be a location. Um, it continues to be part of the consideration, but is not in the um, not in the plans at the moment, as mm. far as I'm aware.
0: So, so what what is the plan? Because the, the plan is to try and get the country vaccinated up to sort of 90, 95, yeah, ninety. Yeah. Someone was able, saying ninety seven percent. The higher, the better. Yeah, um, but you know, if if we get to ninety seven percent and we just go right, that's it. No more alert levels. Throw open the borders. We're we're as good as we're going to get. The health system's still going to take a hammering with three percent of people having COVID.
1: Yeah, it will be difficult, but we'll be in a better place than, than the alternative would be.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I, you I know, grant and, you that. But and, is that is that is that the plan? Just to vaccinate as many people and then just let the health system deal deal with the rest.
1: Well, I think the the, the primary plan is vaccination at the moment, and I know that you know public health officials and others are working around what you know, what the future might look like because at some stage New Zealand will reopen its borders. Um, and those decisions will be made. And I've talked, I think, for the last couple of weeks about, you know, the modellers or the analysts Mm -hmm. talking about when that might be, what that might look like. And there are a whole range of different options. Um, vaccination is the huge drive at the moment and seeing that you know, permeate through our communities locally here. The, the rates are really good in terms of vaccination amongst our, particularly our Pacifica community. Mm-hmm. And I know the DHB is working really hard in all spaces, actually. And we see in Auckland where we've rolled out of those shop bros, the first yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bus, which is, you know, really novel and really cool to get into different community communities of interest. Um, but the plan for the future will be around something um, that, is, that is managed and, obviously, you know my expectation would be that, as a country we don 't just simply open up without an understanding of of putting things in in place, so whether that is around modeling in particular around what that looks like based on the vaccination uh, percentage rate of of modeling mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the potential impact on capacity considerations for our public health service, what that means at a, a primary health care level, all of those sorts of things, um, we also need to understand that. Uh, And remind ourselves that the government has announced a a reform package in the health space. So looking at what that might look like in terms of the commissioning and delivery of services as well. Um, So, yeah, there there will be a plan. Um, It will depend, I assume, on what the vaccination rate will depend on what that looks like in terms of the timing, the rollout um, and what what other considerations might be at play. But we're not going to remain in a situation where the borders remain closed. Um, and, of course, when we open the borders, uh, that's another consideration around, you know, who, who is permitted to visit New Zealand. What mm-hmm. are the requirements? What are the digital requirements for vaccine passports? Um, what that might mean for uh, quarantine facilities? Uh, what that means for demand and all of those sorts of things. So are there we going to be putting tourists
0: they... on ventilators? Sorry? Are we going to be putting tourists on ventilators?
1: Well, uh, uh, Again, capacity issues around you know ICU um, and what that looks like. Um you know there's there's lots of different considerations really
0: mm. uh, We've got a few minutes let's turn to non-Covid related things uh, just quickly uh, Palmerston North this is your electorate therefore is relevant because Palmerston no, North, City, uh, Palmerston North <laughs> uh, City Council uh, voted on their wastewater plans uh, not the positive unanimous decision perhaps we would hope for on something as important as climate and environment um, the, the preferred option is from my limit reading and understanding uh, some sort of uh, land-based solution but still pumping wastewater into the river uh, at certain times of the year. That's not great, is it?
1: Well, that's a matter for
0: for the council
1: in terms of its determination. What I do understand uh, from the information that that I've seen, which is probably no more than what, what you've had access to, Fraser, is that what will be pumped to the river will be at the highest standard in the country or amongst the highest standard in the country. Um, Clearly there is a call from um, some parts of the community to to pull our wastewater out Mm -hmm. of the river. Um, I know how complex this is. I, I remember fronting a um, public meeting down in Horefenua, um where they basically said that, you know, you need to get the tutai out of our river. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also get that there, are, there is technical advice, there is a whole process, there is this best practical option, a BPO working group that has been working on this for maybe, I'm going to say, five years um, or thereabouts. Um, and I get that people around that council table will come from different angles, whether it's around environmental, whether it's around the protection of farming opportunities, whether it's around financial considerations, whether it's around the Modi or the life force of the river. Um, I get it's not an easy uh, decision to make the Council has democratically made that decision.
0: And and the Council have done this uh, partially because they should uh, through their own moral and ethical standpoint but also because Horizons told them that they were in breach of their consents and needed to fix it Uh, and that obviously comes about about from a central government uh, mandate or discussion around what is acceptable. From a central government perspective what Palmerston North City Council is proposing is legal, I'm quite sure. Uh, Is it ethical and or is that not something that the city, the central government, gets involved in?
1: No, look, I, I won't comment on the ethical nature of that. Um, clearly, my my personal view is that um, you know w- we should be taking as much water out of the river in terms of the wastewater discharge mm-hmm. as we possibly can. Um, however, I accept that there are some other considerations at, at play. What I would say is that um, the Palmerston City Council decided to lodge its consent. Uh, through this process, much earlier than it could have. You know, it it currently has a consent that was through, I can't remember the actual year, but, you know, to much longer than it is. It might be in the early 2030s. Um, But because it was non-compliant, one of the agreements was that it would start this process much earlier, years Mm. earlier, to Mm. lodge a new consent. Um, And they have to do that, I think, or make its decision by October of this year, so there was a little bit of pressure around that. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to get into the ethics of it. What I, what I, do expect is that you know the, the council is obviously um, legal around its its consenting processes. Um, Horizons is the enforcer and, and the regulator, so we've got a situation where the Palmerston City Council will be lodging its consent um, application for its discharge. Now that it has made that decision, yep. with Horizons, Horizons now need to go through a process of considering that. So it's a whole new resource um, consent process that they need to. Um, consider which may take some time.
0: Um, very quickly, uh, you would have seen the uh, the, the poll that was uh, poll results that were released uh, this week showing the National Party at a, an all-time low popularity of 21% really? with ACT at 15%. Right. The ACT, what, three years ago, basically existed by the good graces of the National Party, letting them challenge Epsom and have David Seymour there. Now they're pretty much... Two equal parties. That's, that, that, that's bizarre. Well, you can
1: call it what you like. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the, the fact is that, that the opposition are, are currently all over the show. You know, it is a shambles. Um, and people just need to reflect on the last few weeks seeing that in Parliament and um, The alternative in terms of the government, what we're focused on is delivering for our community, getting on with the job. You know, we we leave matters for other parties for themselves. um, But, you know, as I say, in, in going to the election... We said we had a plan and we're continuing to deliver on that. But yeah, it's a shambles on the other side of that.
0: Things can turn around quickly, though. And I'm assuming you're aware of that because not so long ago, this was the story of the Labour Party. That it was, you know, people were using the word shambles and lack of leadership. And then they found Jacinda and turned it around in, what, six months?
1: Yeah, well, look, they say that a week is a long time in politics. Um, And, you know, when I'm on the parliamentary precinct, which I'll be returning to parliament next week. Uh, physically, um, we, we know that um, a day can be a long time in, in politics. So, we're, look, we're focused as a team on on getting the job done, on you know listening and engaging with our community, and making sure that. Kiwis and New Zealanders in our country is safe. It's a difficult time at the moment. We've talked about that Delta variant. Um, We're focused on that rather than the other internal workings of other parties
0: in the Parliament. I know what the answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and I'm going to try and draw on your horse racing hobbies and interests. You're a betting man. Uh, You're going to ask me how long will she last? No, no. no, I'm just going back to to the alert levels. On Monday... Uh, I think it's Monday. We'll get an announcement as to what will happen from Tuesday onwards. Um, if you were to, if you had to place a bet on any movement in alert levels or staying the same, what way do you think it's going to
1: go? Come on, Fraser. You know, I would put my money on making sure that people who are unwell get a test, that you're vaccinated. The, 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 the odds don't, don't exist for that option. There is always another option. As a betting man, I know there is always another option. Uh, even in the
0: rugby, if it's it's all a, right, a if draw at full
1: time or half time, right, it's if always you,
0: another option. If you had to bet on how long Judith's going to last. Well, there again, that's, that's a matter uh,
1: for, for them. I can't uh, get an answer focused, out of you at all. We can't. are focused as a team on delivering. There for our we go, tangi. And I'm really enjoying <laughs> uh, the opportunity to engage with my local
0: community. Tangi utikere, mema o parimata o oia. Thank you for joining us on the catch up this morning. Matiwa. And we'll be back tomorrow with another. Uh, Not tomorrow, Monday, with another edition with Jimmy Ellingham from the Manawa Two Standard. Join us then. Bye for now. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.npr.nz/donate.